this morning, um, I, I, want us, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 4. We'll get there eventually. Um, last week, we started talking about how Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the good news. We looked in Luke chapter 2, uh, and, and we'll put those verses on the screen just to uh, give us a refresher uh, of Luke chapter 2. We kind of looked at the, the, the herald of the, the angels in the fields to the shepherds uh, in Luke chapter 2. And we talked about the promise of good news. The, the shepherds in the field were keeping their flocks, and they heard a message from the angels in Luke chapter 2, if you'll look on the screen, Luke chapter 2, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. Uh, Then it goes on to say, I think we have verse number 12, says, uh, This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Uh, in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. We looked at that three words that the angel said. Uh, He said, good news, great joy, all people. Good news, great joy, all people. Come on, let's say that together. Good news, great joy, all people. And that was the message of the gospel. The word gospel means good news. The message that the angels brought was a message of good news. The message Jesus came to bring was a message of good news. The message that that the apostles preached was a message of good news. And guess what? The message that you and I are to spread in the world is the message of good news, which causes great joy for all people. And we said that for the all people part, the angel appeared to shepherds, lowly shepherds that were uh, watching sheep in the field. But yet the good news that causes great joy was to be for all people. So today I want to look at the proclamation of the good news, the good news. I want to talk for a moment about the essence of news, the essence of news. You and I, we turn on our television uh, every day, maybe you turn on TV every day to watch the news and you get reports of things that are happening. We get a lot of news. You open a newspaper. Uh, maybe you pull up uh, you know, news on, on, on your computer or your phone. Anyway, wherever we go to find news, we read about things that have happened or are happening in the world. Uh, and in every generation, there's always news that seems to change everything. Uh, when when uh, all of us, if I asked where you were on September the 11th, 2001, you could tell us where you were uh, on September the 11th, 2001. I can tell you exactly where I was uh, on that day. Uh, and the moment that the news came through that a major event had happened, how many of you know it changed everything, uh, not just for that day, but it changed the world. So it was news that changed the world. So when the angels come on the scene and they brought news, it was news that would change the world. And not only did it change the world, but the news when we, when we saw the events unfold on September 11th, the news changed our lives. It changed the way we thought about things. It changed the way we looked at things. It changed the way we, 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 our, our lives and our society 
uh, worked. It changed everything. Well, the good news, and that was certainly bad news, but the angels came and heralded good news that brought about change in the whole world, but not just change in the whole world, but change in our individual lives. And that's what I want to look at and talk about. To qualify as news, the first thing I want to see two things this morning. Number one, that the gospel is news. The gospel is news. The gospel is an announcement of something. The gospel is a proclamation of something. The, the gospel is not a system, it's not a formula, it's, it's not something you have to figure out, it's not even something that you have to do. The gospel is news. So to qualify the gospel as news, one writer says this, he says, to qualify the gospel as news, you have to have two things. The first thing you have to have is an announcement of an event that has happened an announcement of an event that has happened. The second thing that you have to have is that because this certain event has happened, lives are different because the event has occurred. Now, to the shepherds and to the people in Israel in Jesus' day, the announcement of good news that brings great joy to all people, for born unto you this day is a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And last week, we looked at the promise that every Jew was looking for Messiah. They were looking for the anointed one from God to come and be their deliverer, to be their deliverer, to set them up as victorious, uh, to usher in a, a, a level of peace in their life that had never been before. And in this regular day, the angels make this announcement that Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, has been born. When John the Baptist looked at Jesus and he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he was making an announcement. Something had happened. And then through Jesus's life, up until his death, that atoned for the sins of mankind, his burial and his resurrection to defeat death and to give us life. That's the essence of the gospel. And that's the essence of the news that we preach. That now that Jesus has come, forgiveness has come. Salvation has come. Deliverance has come. The kingdom has come. Peace has come. The light has come. When the announcement that Jesus has come was the announcement that hope had come into the world. And I, I, I love that. We, we see that word a lot. especially in this season. But when Christ came, truly hope had come into the world. Hope for future. Hope for a difference in our life now. Hope for the situations that are going on around us. Before when we seem hopeless looking for an answer, now we have hope looking at the answer. And today we have hope looking at the answer of Jesus. We said last week that when they were looking for the promise, they were looking for something future. But now, when we're on the other side of the cross, now we can look at Jesus in his fullness as the answer has come. And hope has come to our lives. So the gospel is an announcement. It's an announcement that Christ took the sins of the world upon him. It's the announcement that that, that the hopeless and and the the, the beat down and the lost and the sinner, now they have hope in Jesus Christ. 
that those that were wandering and scattered, the sheep that were scattering, now have hope for a regathering. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I tell you what I get weary at. What I get weary at is I hear a lot of proclamation. But the proclamation I hear doesn't sound like good news to me. I hear a lot of proclamation, but it doesn't sound like good news. In fact, a lot of proclamation that I hear sounds like bad news. And I'm like, if it's that bad, what does that say about Jesus? Well, I've come to tell you that there is no bad news in the good news of the gospel. There is no bad news in the good news of the gospel. If you know Christ died for your sin and he came not not just to temporarily forgive you, but to take away your sin, if you knew Jesus came to, to put his spirit upon you, to fill you with the very spirit of God that filled the, the, fills the whole earth, if I come to tell you that he come to give you a brand new life and old things are passed away and all things have become new, that he's given you life and hope and blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places and he's made you more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, if I've come to tell you all that, that's all good news. That's all good news. The bad news is a lot of people just don't see it. They don't understand it. And even worse, some people can't accept it because they say that sounds too good to be true. You know it's the gospel when it sounds too good to be true. Because we all may say, I, ha- you, I, there's, there's, I have to do something. There's, there's a part I have to play. I know Jesus did all this, but I know there's a lot I have to do. I know I got to come and help Jesus along on, on a lot of stuff. You, you don't have to help Jesus do anything. He came to help you. He didn't come for you to help him. He came to help you. Jesus finished the work. When he said it is finished, he said it is paid in full. So the announcement that Christ had come comes along that because the event had happened, lives are different because of the good news that occurred. Jesus was the personification of the Father who came to bring grace. I love how Jesus gave grace to those that needed it. I love how the woman caught in the act of adultery, Jesus gave her grace when he could have gave her law. I love how Jesus, when he went to Zacchaeus' house, a tax collector that had robbed people and taken more than he was supposed to take for his own selfish gain, that Jesus looked at him not in anger, but he said, I want to go to your house and sit with you today. And the moment that he saw the love of Jesus, his heart automatically changed, and he said, I'm going to return back what I've stolen. His life changed because Jesus showed him grace. And we see time and time again the, 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 the woman at the well even though, she, even though her life was in a mess, Jesus came and revealed himself and showed grace unto her. And she went and told the whole town about how good Jesus was unto her. But then I think there was this one man that came to Jesus, and he had this question. And he asked Jesus this question. He said, what must I do to be saved? The only person Jesus ever gave the law to. Because the question was, What must I do to be saved? Well, Jesus said, keep the commandments. You know what the commandments are. He said, well, I've done all of that from my youth. He was a proud person. What must I do? If you think, what do I have to do? You must think something of yourself that you think you can actually make it there. He said, what must I do? So when, when he said, I've kept all the commandments, Jesus says, well, sell all that you have and give to the poor. What must I do 
When you ask the question, what must I do, there's no, there's no limit. How much is enough? How good do I have to be to do good enough? You know, if, if I read my Bible an hour a day, there's some people that will come on and say, well, you should have read it an hour and a half or two. When it says, what must I do, Jesus gave him law. The essence is there's nothing they can do. The Pharisee stood up and he said, God, I thank you. I do all these things. And the tax collector, it says he could not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but said, Lord, be merciful on me, a sinner. There was nothing he could do. And he recognized there was nothing that he could do. There was, he recognized there was nothing inherently good in and of himself that could please God. But yet, God saw his heart, and God gave him mercy, and God was pleased because of his faith. So what has happened in our time is that sometimes, many times, we've replaced good news and subtly changed it to good advice. It's a good advice. I haven't done this. I thought about doing it, but then I forgot about it. I thought about going on Amazon and going to the top ten Christian books or going in your bookstore, Christian bookstore, Christian Books and Christian literature sometimes subtly can change into a lot of good advice, but not centered on the good news. Ten steps to a better marriage, ten steps to prosper. You know, give, give, give me ten steps to being happy. Give me ten steps to being the person I desire to be. You know, give, give me this and give me that. Tell me what I must do to have joy in this life. Tell me what I must do to have hope. And tell me what I must do to have, to have the home that I want to have. Tell me what I must do to do all these things. And what people are looking for today, they're looking for good advice. Now, I'm not against good advice. I would advise everyone to get good advice in your life. Get wisdom. Hang around people that are wise. But at the same time, I want you to know that good advice isn't the same as good news. It isn't the same. And if I just give you good advice, even and plug Jesus' name in there to make it spiritual. I, I was in, I was in, I, don't know, I forgot what city I was in. I was, I was somewhere and I was, went to a Barnes and Noble and I picked up, and I always look at all the different sections. I, I like looking through books and I was, I was in the New Age section. And I picked up this New Age book uh, and I began to read the chapter titles. And I could have picked at least three books off the top of my mind from the Christian market that could, I mean, you, you could have taken that author off and put a well-known author on there and put Jesus in there a few times with a couple of scriptures to proof text what you were trying to say, and it would have been the exact same book. Literally, the exact same book. New Age principles, but with a little bit of Jesus and a scripture in there, leading you to how you can find the light in yourself and, and all of this stuff. And, and we find a lot of good advice, and there's nothing wrong with good advice But if I just give you good advice without first giving you the good news, good advice is never going to satisfy and fulfill your life because you're going to be searching for more good advice and more and more and more and more. But listen, when I bring you first to the good news and I make a proclamation and a declaration over your life, everything else will center back into that place. Everything else will center back. Your family your life, your finances, everything, your health, your, your, your dreams, your goals, everything centers back. Because we start with what Jesus already finished. I've said this before, we, we, we think we have to start here at the bottom and then keep, keep going up and keep climbing the ladder. No, 
when you, when you got born again and Jesus poured his mercy upon you, he gave you all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he said, I've given it to you. Everything in Christ is a gift, and that's where you start. So I'm not trying to, to get joy. The good news is that I'm not trying to give you 10 steps to find peace. I'm saying Jesus is. You know, fix my marriage. Make Jesus the center of it. Die to yourself and live for him. Make make it about the good news of Jesus, that Jesus already brings reconciliation. When you have Jesus, you have peace. When you have Jesus, you have reconciliation. The the scripture says in in Ephesians chapter 2, about how do Jews and Gentiles try to get along with each other? It says, Christ is our peace that breaks down the wall of division between the two. I can give you two people that might disagree, but if Christ is truly at the center of their hearts, Christ will be their peace. Christ will be their peace. So good advice isn't the same thing as good news. Good advice is here's how to live. Here's techniques for being a better Christian. Uh, Here's how you can be a better person. Here's how you can be more successful. Here's how you can prosper. Do this and do that and do these things. Take two aspirin and call me in the morning. A lot of good advice. But the good news has to be in the center of the good advice. If we can just get people to see what Jesus has already done for them without them having to do anything. If we can get people to see how much Jesus has already given them without them having to do anything. We're trying to strive for stuff the Spirit of God has already given us. But if we're looking in all these places other than in Christ. I want to look real quick in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 was Jesus' proclamation of good news about his own ministry. Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, he, he comes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to open up and read the scripture for the week. And the scripture for the week happened to be in the book of Isaiah, in the 61st chapter. So what Jesus reads here comes from Isaiah chapter 61, if you want to to reference that. It says in verse 14 of Luke chapter 4, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as his custom was. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed unto him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He said, he sent me to heal the broken heart. He sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners, recovering of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began saying unto them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus takes Isaiah 61, which was about the promised future. Of Israel, and specifically the one that was to bring about the promised future of Israel. Some interpreters of Isaiah 61 see this person as the prophet 
Some people see it as God's servant, the nation of Israel, and others see it as the coming Messiah. Well, Jesus definitely saw it as the Messiah and saw himself in this passage of Scripture. For Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. Now, I want to look through these things and real quick. First of all, the good news, and I, want to, I just want you to see something. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. People say, yeah, I know that's good news, but. Yeah, I know Jesus can do that. If you, yeah, but, but and, it's got to be Jesus plus, really, no ifs, ands, or buts in the gospel. None. None. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. It's fact. For he hath anointed me. It's fact. To proclaim good news to the poor. Isaiah says, to the meek, to the afflicted. Jesus talked about in his Sermon on the Mount, those that are poor in spirit. Those that know that they need him. He sent me to proclaim good news to the poor. The good news to the poor and the good news to the poor in spirit and the good news to the meek and the afflicted is how God first acted to forgive sinners who are far from himself. How he gives forgiveness. We we talked about last week in in Isaiah 40, the, the great turning point in Isaiah. The great turning point where he says your sins are, your iniquities are forgiven and done away. God does that in his mercy. God does that in his mercy. God's forgiven you in his mercy and in his grace. And there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's done that for you. To proclaim good news to the poor. To the poor in spirit. He said, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. This is a picture of what God himself is like. This is a picture of the ministry of grace in Jesus' life to heal the brokenhearted, to take those that have been broken by life, that have been broken by society, have been broken by the things of this life, and to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. This echoes back to Isaiah 58 and verse 6. That says, is this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? That's what he says because because they were fasting in a religious, pious, self-righteous way. And he says, here's the fast that I've called you to. Go out and loose the bands of wickedness. Undo the heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. In Christ, God has set the captive free. I've come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He didn't say, if you do. No, no. He said, I've come to open the doors wide for you to walk out. I've come to do that. That's a proclamation. I've come to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. In Christ, the captives are set free. All mankind is provided a way to break the chains 
prison. Next, he says, the recovering of sight to the blind. This speaks beyond physical eyesight, but it speaks to those that have come out of darkness so that the light of God and the light of the gospel would shine on them. The scripture says, Satan has blinded the minds of those that believe, not lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. In Acts chapter 26, verse 17 and 18, the apostle Paul says this about himself. He says, I will, God tells him, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, that they may see their sins are forgiven in Christ. That they may see your sins are forgiven in Christ. I'm just going to say something that's going to blow people's mind. Jesus didn't forgive you of your sins when you asked him to. He forgave you of your sins 2,000 years ago on the cross. You just received it when you asked him to. You just received it. It's already done. And it's already done for everybody. He took the sins of the world. We just, our call is to go to open their eyes to what God has already done for them. To open their eyes. They can experience new life. Paul says to turn them, to open their eyes, turns from darkness to light. They may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He says to set the oppressed free. To set the, this of those who are bound. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Oppression is not the will of God for anybody's life. Jesus comes so that we can be free from being oppressed and having the heavy burdens of this life upon us. And then he ends the reading by saying, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This points back to the Old Testament, to the year of Jubilee, to the, to the 50th year, where Leviticus chapter 25 verse 8 says, count off seven Sabbath years. Seven times seven years, so that the seventh Sabbath amounts to 49 years. Then have the trumpet sound everywhere. Have a proclamation. Have the trumpet sound everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, the trumpet will sound throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. And it shall be a jubilee unto you. He said, so in this 50th year, blow the trumpet, make a proclamation that liberty is here, that those that are captive can go free, that those that, that, that uh, have something lost, can, it can be restored unto them. This is the year of Jubilee. This is the year of the Lord's favor. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, they had to wait every 50 years. In Jesus, every day is a Jubilee day. Every day is a jubilee day. That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying this is the year. This is the time of the Lord's favor. A jubilee was number one, release. Release. If there were prisoners, they would be released. It was a, it was a, a year of restoration. 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 Lives need to be restored. 
People need to be restored. Minds need to be restored. It's a year of restoration. And then it's a year of rest. It's a year of rest. To rest from your labor. To rest from yourself. To rest in the Father. Some of you may have saw the picture I put on Facebook this week. Uh, I locked myself out of the house. (laughs) I was going to run over to the church real quick. uh, And I walked out the door and I slammed the door behind me. And I had nothing but my phone on me. Um, Thank goodness uh, I had some family that were on their way from out of town. Uh, So I knew they'd be there in about 30, 40 minutes. So I said, I'm just going to sit on the back porch. Uh, So I said, I sat on the back deck. um, And uh, I sat there, and we have a a dog. He's he's my buddy. He's my boy, my only son. Um, We got to stay tight because we're we're outnumbered in our house. So so he he, he comes, and I took a picture. I was sitting in the chair, and, and and he comes, and he just lays right between my legs at my feet. And he just lays there, and he goes to sleep. He just sleeps right there at my feet. And, and, and I said, that's a picture of our relationship with our Father. We're just laying at his feet, resting in his presence, knowing his love for us. That's it. That's absolutely it. A place of rest in the Father. It was God's time for Jubilee. Jesus finishes his quote to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah's quote goes on. Isaiah's quotes, the next, the next phrase in Isaiah's quote is, is to proclaim the day of the vengeance of our God. The day when God would come and smash everybody. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't pronounce punishment and judgment. He omits the vengeance of our God. Jesus did not come to inflict punishment. He came to bring God's mercy. The judgment was bad news. Jesus claimed to proclaim in me, You've been delivered from punishment, and that's the good news. The most not quoted verse in the Bible, the most quoted verse in the Bible, John 3 16. The most non quoted verse in the Bible is John 3 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world is already in condemnation. That's what it goes on to say. Why would Jesus come and condemn the world more that's already in condemnation? He came to lift condemnation off the world through the sacrifice of himself. So the good news of Jesus, and, and notice what he said. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovering of sight for the blind, set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Is a proclamation of the good news. This is what I'm here for. And either he did it or the Bible's a lie. Either John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Either he did it, or John the Baptist didn't know what he was talking about. The good news, Paul said, I'm an ambassador for Christ. I'm an ambassador. He said, said, my ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that how God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself not counting men's sins against them, but has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. The the proclamation of the good news is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's the proclamation of the good news. To open their eyes 
so that they can see what has been proclaimed in Jesus. So we see the good news should never be understood in terms of a religion. The gospel transcends religion. The gospel is good news for, brings great joy for all people. The gospel even transcends the hereafter. It's, it's not even a far-off promise that we'll, you know, we'll achieve one day, but we have to suffer through it now. It's not the, that's not good news. How's that good news? That my, the answer to all my questions is, is when I die. It's not good news. Really? It's not good news. The bad news is I need help right now. The good news is Jesus said, I've come to bring you help right now. And right here, that I can live in his presence right here, right now. I can experience his joy right here, right now. I can live in his peace right here, right now. I don't have to wait till after I die to experience heaven. He's opened up the windows of heaven and pouring me out every spiritual blessing in heavenly places right here and right now. I don't know how people think that they, they can't, that, 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 that they won't enjoy Jesus now and, and think they'll enjoy him forever when they get there. No, you can enjoy him now. There's peace and there's, there's glory. It's time of jubilee now. What answer is that? Knock on people's doors. Uh, yeah, just keep suffering your whole life. And, no, it's, it's Jesus transcends our minds and gives us life, real life, eternal quality of life right here and right now. As, as we preached when, when we preached a series a few months back, you have eternal life right now. Not just in terms of, of qual- quantity, but in terms of quality. The spirit, the life of God's on the inside of you. How much more you want? You just need to learn how to get the life that he put in you to come out of you. And manifest his life in your body and in your family and in your work right here and right now. Jesus proclaimed the good news to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the prisoners, to the blind, to the oppressed. Not telling them, here's 10 steps to get out of your poorness. Here's 10 steps to get out of your brokenness. Here's, here's a book that you need to do to get out of your prison, your donors, your oppression. Good advice is, is good. It's okay. But Jesus come proclaiming, you are free. You are free. Only you can keep yourself trapped now. Only you can keep yourself trapped. Only you can keep yourself trapped. Because Jesus came to proclaim, I have set you free. I've set you free. Everything you need for life and godliness, Christ has given. Listen, you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's time that we shift our mind from from the things that we see to the things that we don't see. It's time to shift our mind from the natural to the spiritual. It's time to shift our mind from this world to the kingdom that's in this world. Right now, it's time to shift our mind from all these things, to shift our mind to focus on Christ and who he is and what he has done in our lives. Let's stand together this morning. I'm going to ask Brad in just just a couple moments. we're going to close out our service after. We're going to sing a song, close out our service with a baptism. So I'm going to ask those that are going to, uh, uh, to be baptized, you can go ahead and uh, take your places.
But I just want to leave you with this today. I want to leave you with this today. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the good news. There's a lot of bad news in the world. But I want you to know there is no bad news in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And no matter where you're at in life, the good news is applicable to you. You don't have to fill out a form. You're pre-approved for all the blessings of heaven. You're pre-approved based on the referral of your heavenly Father. What a precious gift that it is. That's the message that we need to proclaim to the world. If you do give just a... I, I told the group on Wednesday night, I said, when I was little, maybe it was my ignorance, but now I was little, I, I, I would just think that Christmas brought out the best in everybody. However, as I've gotten older, and especially Christians, Christmas should bring out the best in Christians. But I look around, and I almost dread Christmas now because of the attitude that I see among God's people. A time of proclamation of the good news of Jesus. We turn it into bashing people down. We turn it into condemning everybody in the world that Jesus didn't come to condemn. When the message of this season is the message of every season, and that is look to the cross of Calvary. I'm not coming to crush anybody down. I want to take people and lift them up by proclaiming the good news to them of Jesus. So as we worship this morning, I want you to think about the good news in your life. Do you think about the difference that Jesus makes in you because the news is an announcement of something that's happened, but it brings a radical change in people's lives. Father, we thank you this morning for your love.